Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, September 22nd, 2023. I'm Mike Kachapoli. All right, here we are. End of the week, big Friday. It looks like, uh, well, it doesn't look like, it's definite. It's a definite thing. It's science. It's settled science that the summer is now officially over. We are now into the fall. So the summer, as usual, went by very quickly. Baseball season's coming to an end. Football season's in full swing. Hockey and basketball season are a couple of weeks away. So that's that's the wrap-up. That's your wrap-up of the sports world. I'm Mike Achopoli, ESP. No, just kidding. Yeah, so it's over. The summer's over, right? What does that mean? I just gave you the, the sports rundown, what it means for sports. But what does it mean for politics? It means people start paying attention. Like right now, like right this minute, right now. It starts right now, 11.01 p.m. Pacific time, 2.01 a.m. Eastern time. Well, this is the time where it's going to begin, right? People are going to start to say, okay, all right, we have uh, presidential primaries going on. Uh, let's start start paying attention, right? And, of course, Next week, Wednesday of next week, there will be the 27th, there will be the second Republican debate, sans Donald John Trump. And from what I'm heard, there are rumors that the third debate next month will also be sans Donald John Trump, because as I've said many times on this show, he's not in it to win it. He's in it to grift and has make as much money as possible in the shortest period of time for his defense fund. So there's no reason for him to debate if he's just looking to raise money for his defense fund, right? You debate if you actually want to become <clears throat> the presidential nominee, right? If you want to be president, you debate. But if you just want to be on the grift, like he has been his whole life, you don't need to debate. There's no reason to go through that, right? No reason to go through that effort, someone of his age and terrible physical and deteriorating mental condition to go through that. He'll still continue to get money from his cult, only his cult. The real money people are not putting any money behind Donald Trump. They're not stupid. They're not looking. You don't, you don't become, we may have a lot of problems with millionaires and billionaires, but you don't become one of them by being a total dumb schmuck and throwing your money out the window. So no big money people, no people who do this all the time for a living, if you will, are putting any money behind Donald Trump. Only his cult who can barely afford their own rent and their gas money uh, will give to his defense fund, but they'll continue to give it and I think they're going to give it once he's out of the race. They'll so he'll put up a GoFundMe. They'll get it. He'll find a way to continue the grift, right? So uh, that's the deal with that. So next week, Wednesday night is indeed the second Republican debate. So that'll be big. And of course, just a couple of hours after that debate is over, we will have our show here next Wednesday night, and we'll talk about what happened. We'll give a rundown. We'll give a critique. Speaking of critique. The end of this show, as usual, as the end of the week on Friday night, there will be film reviews. I'll be reviewing three films at the end of this show. So you have to stick around to hear the reviews of the three films I'm going to review. Um, a lot to talk about. So much has happened since last night. I mean, my head is spinning. I was hoping for like a casual, nice Friday show, but... I don't think that's going to happen. There's just too much, too much going on in the world of politics. Too much, too much happening, too much happening. Um, I guess we have to start with Menendez, right? 
we have to start with Menendez. Let's go to our story here on Politico, which I rarely read because there's so much crap on Politico. There's so much, so much just totally fake news. Um, but this seems to be a decent story. Uh, and this is about Menendez, the second indictment. He's still, remember, he's still two indictments behind Trump. He still only has half of Trump's indictment. So I guess he can, I guess he can brag about that. I guess he can brag about that. Um, this guy is a, a slime ball. Is a slime ball. But his wife, if you look at his wife, she looks like she's out of the, 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 the uh, Sopranos. Um, but uh, <laughs> she certainly does look like she's out of the Sopranos. Uh, but this is the second indictment. This is where he is. He's being charged for doing favors in exchange for gold bars. What is this? Like 1860? 1860? Just get, make sure you deliver that gold bars bars to me. Make sure you deliver the gold bars. And I'll get you what you need. Okay, so gold bars, cash. <laughs> Here's 10 bucks, Bob. And the Mercedes Benz. All right, that's high class. I wonder which kind of Mercedes Benz. Um, so what you're having here, basically, in the second indictment of Bob Menendez, aren't people tired of crooked politicians? I think most people are tired of crooked politicians. They want all these crooked politicians out. But what the Democrats are saying is they want him to resign, right? So Governor Phil Murphy of his of Menendez's state, New Jersey, and Democratic leaders called on him to resign hours after this indictment on uh, uh, bribery charges. Uh, from Murphy, he said the allegations in the indictment against Senator Menendez and four other defendants are deeply disturbing. These are serious charges that implicate national security and the integrity of our criminal justice system. The alleged facts are so serious, they compromise the ability of the senator to effectively represent the people of our state. Therefore, I'm calling for his immediate resignation. The public statements by Murphy and state political leaders puts intense, possibly undeniable pressure on Menendez after he struck a defiant tone in response to the allegations. Menendez is up for re-election next year, and he said before the charges he would seek another term. He remained resistant to his fellow Democrats' calls for to resign. So the people in, who believe in justice, believe in innocence till proven guilty, I can tend to continue to fight for the people of New Jersey with the same success I've had for the past five years. There's the same record of success these very same leaders have lauded all along. It is not lost on me how quickly some are rushing to judge a Latino and push him out of his seat. I'm not going anywhere. Well, he brings up race because that's what Democrats do, right? has nothing about him having his his heritage. I don't even do you ever th you see Bob Menendez, do you even think of him as Latino? When you see Bob Menendez, do you go, oh puppy, puppy chulo, puppy. No, fuck him with this Latino shit. Who cares? That's all they do is claim race. But look, Democrats love that, right? They, they love making everything about race, so I guess they can't complain that a fellow Democrat is making stuff about race. Now, this is what I'm going to get to in a second. This is what you call like the moral uh, moral high ground, right? So the Democrats are always pushing race. Everything's about race. And so now he's going to use the race card, right? So they're getting some of their own medicine, basically, right? And they can't say, oh, don't do that because they're doing it all the time, right? So 
you see that Murphy was very careful, right? Not to say we think he's guilty. Obviously, it's alleged. All he's saying is because of all this, it makes it very difficult for him to serve New Jersey, to give New Jersey all of his time and do his job, right? But what if we said this Republican politician, this Republican politician, I and many others have said the same thing about who could it be? Oh, yes. Donald John Trump, that, you know, with all these charges, twice as many, twice as many indictments as Menendez, it's it's impossible to actually run for president, like do debates, like he's not doing, the campaign, to give it your full time. And that's what the people deserve, a candidate to actually run and have a real campaign. And it's tough to do that when you have all these indictments. And it'll be very tough to do that through the general election. And of course, incredibly tough to do it as president with indictments and possible convictions. So he should not run. So the same, that's the same logic, right? That makes sense. That's consistent logic. The Democrats can claim that moral high ground because they've been saying this about Trump, right? And now they're saying it about Menendez. It's not like they're saying it about Menendez or they said it about Trump, but they're not saying it about Menendez, right? It's like they've they've been tough on Trump and then you give Menendez a pass. They're not doing that. They don't have to. They can use that moral high ground and be consistent with this, right? Trump shouldn't run and Menendez should also resign. Very consistent on the Democrats' part, okay? So that makes a lot of sense. He can't do his job. It's tough for him to do his job, but he's using, Menendez is using the same defense that Trump is using. Guilt, innocent, sorry, innocent, until proven guilty, right? He's using the same argument. Now, The Republicans are such fucking idiots because they cannot take the moral high ground on this issue. If they had ostracized Trump, if they had all said as a party, you should not be running, our people deserve better, then they could go after Menendez, hook, line and sinker. But now they can't because there's no moral high ground. Of course, some of them, most Republicans know this. They would love to go after Menendez, but they can't. Now, the ones who have, who have not supported Trump, they can. They have the moral high ground. But so many Republicans, and especially his cult, have defended him, right, through everything. So they cannot. They cannot claim moral high ground on Menendez and go after him and say he should resign. That would be like the height of hypocrisy. Would it not? The guy who's a senator with two indictments should resign, but the guy who's running for leader of the free world with four indictments, oh no, not only should he not drop out, we want him to win, and if he's convicted, he could be president from jail. So when you when you talk like a fucking idiot like that, now something like this happens, 25 Democrats can be indicted, and these Republicans can't say a fucking word. They can't say a fucking word. These idiots, these morons, these assholes. God, this would be great in election season for the Republicans to be able to go after the Democrats as the party of corruption, but they can't because of one fucking old slob, Donald John Trump, who they protect to the death for some strange psychological fucked up emotional reason. So this is out as an issue with Trump. If you support Trump, you can't even you can't even mention the name. You're a total hypocrite. If you even mention the name Menendez after having supported Donald John Trump for all this time through four indictments. More on the Menendez, more on the Menendez issue. Nearly eight 
hours of silence and federal prosecutors sometimes hold on, let me just read this. Democrat state chair, state committee chair, Leroy Jones, has also called an urgent meeting of county chairs uh, tomorrow, Saturday, 10.30 a.m., presumably to deal with the fallout. The statements late Friday afternoon came after a meeting in Newark between Murphy and a small group of high-ranking Democratic leaders. Uh, while Democrats stayed publicly silent most of the day, interviews with half a dozen well-placed Democratic operatives, advisors, and staffers showed a party stunned by the level of alleged corruption and hard-pressed to imagine a scenario in which the party backed Menendez for another term. The allegations involving Egyptian arms sales and the passing on of se- sensitive information to foreign sources in particular caught them off guard and have left them privately frustrated that a senator already imperiled the safe seat in 2018 over corruption allegations would now put them in an even worse position. This is not what happened a few years ago. The stuff in here is sickening. You couldn't dream this up to be on the FX show. That's how detailed it is, said one top Democratic congressional staffer from the New Jersey uh, delegation. The staffer, like party insiders and leaders interviewed for the story, was granted anonymity earlier Friday when speaking about the fluid situation and Democratic support for the notoriously vindictive Menendez, who after surviving a 2017 corruption trial, vowed that he would not forget those who were digging my political grave. This sounds just like Don Trump, doesn't it? I'm going to go after the people. I'm not going to forget the people who are going after me. I'm going to get them eventually, right? This is how sad the situation is for Republicans. Democrats can take the moral high ground. They can say, We've criticized Trump, and now we, we the Democrats can say we don't want corruption in politics. Well, the Republicans can't say that because they back Trump all this way. So now this makes like the Democrats the party of accountability, where the Republicans can't say a fucking word because of their support for Donald John Trump. That's the situation Republicans have put themselves in. by supporting this one, this one disgusting individual, this one disgusting individual. The Democrats' response starkly contrasts with unified front support last time, but the 2024 election is already taking shape, and Democratic Party leaders do not want to see New Jersey standard seat flipped to Republicans for the first time since 1972. So the Democrats are concerned about this electorally, right? What kind of will he will he taint? Will he taint it and, and they'll lose? Republicans seem to have no care about such a thing. No care about such a thing. Right? Because you have Don Trump, who all of his candidates lose. Right? Every candidate he touches loses, which means Republicans lose. Donald Trump makes Republicans lose. The Democrats are concerned that Bob Menendez, a senator from Jersey, is going to help Republicans win. It's going to make Democrats lose seats. But Republicans who back Trump seem to have no concern for the fact that basically every candidate that Donald Trump touches loses. Shall we go through the list? By the way, uh, There was just a special election in New Jersey after there was a special election in Pennsylvania, where once again in New Hampshire, Donald Trump, a a Trump candidate, a Trumper lost. Okay, in a Republican state, state with a Republican governor, another Trump candidate lost. A Democrat took a seat 
because the candidate was a Trumper. So that's another Trump-backed candidate that lost. But if you want to go back to the last election, 2022, remember Mehmet Oz? We'll talk about John Fetterman. There's a direct uh, correlation there, of course. Mehmet Oz was defeated in Pennsylvania by John Fetterman. Don Bolduc defeated in New Hampshire by Maggie Hassan. Laura Levy defeated in Connecticut by Dick Blumenthal. Gerald, G- Gerald Malloy defeated in Vermont by Peter Welsh. And of course, we know Herschel Walker in Georgia, right? Defeated by Raphael Warnock. How about Trump's uh, House-endorsed candidates? Bo Hines defeated in North Carolina by Wiley Nichols. Steve Shabbat defeated in, defeated in Idaho by Greg Landsman. Madison Gesriato Gilbert defeated in Idaho by Amelia Silks. Silk Sykes, Amelia Sykes. John Gibbs defeated, defeated in Michigan by Hillary Shulton. Yelsley Vega defeated in Virginia by Abigail Spanberger. Caroline Levitt defeated in New Hampshire one by Representative Chris Pappas, another New Hampshire loss. J.R. Majuki defeated in Idaho by Marcy Kaptur. Sandy Smith defeated in North Carolina by Don Davis. Robert Burns defeated New Hampshire by Anne McLean Custer. Sarah Palin, of course, directed in defeating Alaska, Alaska by Mary Petlata and Jim Bognet, defeated in Pennsylvania, another Pennsylvania loss by Matt Cartwright. How about his gubernatorial candidates? How about this list? Tudor Dixon lost to Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. Doug Mastriano lost to Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania. Lee Zeldin lost to Kathy Hochul in New York. Dan Cox lost to Wes Moore in Maryland. Jeff Deal lost to Maura Healy in Massachusetts. Tim Michaels lost to Governor Tony Evers in Wisconsin. Darren Bailey lost to Pritzker, of all people, in Illinois. Scott Jensen lost to Minnesota's Tim Waltz. Jensen never should have connected himself to Trump. He's smarter than that. Mark Ronchetti lost in New Mexico to Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. And Derek Schmidt lost in Kansas to Governor Laura Kelly, there's even a couple of state executive endorsements. He has to try to get his little, well, his little hands, his little sweaty hands. We know his hands are small. Kim Crockett defeated Minnesota Secretary of State election by Steve Simon and Christina Caramo defeated Michigan Secretary of State election by Jocelyn Benson. So that's a list of all the Trump candidates that lost. And that list is growing. That list is growing. So once again, if you look at the parties and the way they're positioning themselves for next year with this Menendez thing, the Democrats are able to take the moral high ground, right? And say, we want corruption out of politics. We're calling for this guy to resign. A senator, not a guy running for leader of the free world, a senator, one of a hundred, right? We want, we don't want it. We don't want this stench going into next year's election where Republicans don't care about the Donald Trump stench, all right? You don't, you don't see these masses of Republicans calling on Trump to not run, to quit, to let DeSantis, a great candidate, take the reins. You don't hear that. So here we are, Democrats, the party of cleaning house, moral high ground, corruption out of politics. Someone's corrupt, we get rid of them. Republicans, nope. And they cannot take the moral high ground. That would be so great to be able to take going into next year's election, to say, we got rid of our scum. Now we want them to get rid of their scum. The Democrats can say it. The Republicans can't. And that's the position they've put themselves in, in a very, very bad position behind the eight ball. 
behind the eight ball. What they can only hope for, the Republicans, is that Ron DeSantis wins. Ron DeSantis wins, and they can start with a clean slate, with a strong candidate, right? With a candidate that is not corrupted, that doesn't have baggage. That's what they have to hope for. And I think even the people, some of the people who are outwardly supporting Trump because of some reason they're afraid of him and his, and his cult, they know deep down to a man or a woman, to a he or she, a they or him or her, they know. They don't want him to win. They want Ron DeSantis to win. That the Republican Party needs to rid themselves, rid themselves of the stench of Donald John Trump. It's very interesting how these things have this reverberating effect, right? It's not a one-off, right? Because when you back someone like Trump, then you lose on an issue like Menendez, right? You can't take that moral high ground, right? You can't do it. And it's... It's one thing if this was like, you know, a year ago, but now this is like a year out from a general election when it would be great to do that. And believe me, Democrats will do this. They will say, look, we don't accept this in our party. We call for resignations where the Republicans, they want the guy to be president again. I guess he's known as Gold Bob Barr Menendez. I'm glad I can talk about it, right? Because... Look, even look, even on the level of a talk show host, if I were a Trumper, I couldn't even talk about this. This would be I'd have to pretend this doesn't exist, which I'm sure many of them are. I can talk about it now because I have. Hey, Mike Chopley, and unless be heard, has the moral high ground to talk about this. To talk about it. So he's gold Bob Barr. Gold Bob, not Bob Barr, Bar Bob, Bar Bob. Not Bob Barr. That'll be confusing. Gold Bar Bob. The indictment of Menendez is a sad day for Jersey, but not surprising. Gold Bar Bob has been battling credible allegations of corruption throughout most of his time in office, all while being protected and enabled by his cronies and allies in Washington, Serrano Glasner said in a statement. You know, once again, this is what people are tired of. This is why people hate politicians and politics. Most Americans want these people out. That's why most Americans don't want Trump to run again. In a recent poll, um, it said that only 26% of voters would vote for, would consider voting for Trump if he even was convicted on one charge. And I think that's bullshit. I think all these polls are lean towards Trump. I think that's even a high number. I don't know if you get one out of four Americans thinking of voting for Trump if he's convicted. But even if it was one out of four, obviously, he's not winning anything with 26% of the vote. So most Americans still, and I'd say that number is probably closer to 15% of Americans who would vote for him if he were convicted. So look, the overwhelming majority of Americans want this shit out of politics. They don't want corrupt individuals in politics anymore. They want to clean house. They don't want the Trumps. They don't want the Menendezes. They don't want this anymore in either party. But the Democrats can take the moral high ground here. And the Republicans, at least the ones who back Trump, which is plentiful, many high-profile ones, and people in the media who have backed Trump, can't take the moral high ground here. The Democrats can say, we are cleaning our own house. Republicans don't do that. Hello, you're on and let's be heard. How's it going? 
Um, so I agree with some of the things you were saying, the ideas that you're talking about. But um, as somebody who lives it, I don't think that they actually think the way that you're talking about. In what way? What do you mean? Um, so, so like the people don't really care about what you're talking about. What in specific? Like, like, like on a legal. What basis. do you think the people don't care about corrupt politicians? They like corrupt politicians. Um, yeah, well, yeah, no, they don't. But yes, they do. And this is the problem. So, so for, for example, I met somebody who's probably making a similar wage to mine, but you know, a little more, ideally, you mm-hmm. know. And um, I worked with him for like a week or two. And he's pissed off because mm-hmm. he's getting fucked. And he's trying to become an owner, right? But yeah. he doesn't understand what being an owner takes. He tried to do it for a short while. It didn't work out. And now he's laboring and like kind of owning something, right? Right. I'm sorry. And and like that's kind of the American people in general, like pay too much taxes, pay too much interest, mm-hmm. think I can make money, take out too much debt in a hole, can't get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And and part of it is like the cell, and this cell works really good. Trust me, I've done it before. Yeah, you know, you know what rich people do, right? They have a lot of money. <laughs> they take out loans. That's what well, rich yeah, people do. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, yeah, that's, that's, this country takes out that's loans. What, that's this country what, that's takes what, that's out loans because we're in such a deficit because of crazy spending by both parties. But my point is, it's like, if you say that to somebody, they think that they can get rich by taking out loans, mm-hmm. but they don't get rich. Right. Then they're just what yeah well that's that's you know part of the problem here part of the um inequality you know but you know for no. the, okay the so is, this, to define this is why so many people check out of politics because of of people like this of like trump and menendez people just say in other words one rotten apple does indeed does indeed in politics spoil the whole bunch you know, and people say, look, well, you're all like that. And that's what I've been saying. Well, yeah. You know, when one yes. comes along that's not, they don't seem to be able to but, comprehend that. But we, we have to we have to we have to make a decision as the American people. Like, do we want to, you know, do something about it? Do we want to make our lives better? And do we want to focus on like one or two problems instead of all the problems of the world? Yeah. And and when when it happens, when it really does become real and it gets worse, mm-hmm. um, then we have to decide if we are Americans and if we're willing to stand up and fight. And oh, yeah. um, yeah. if, that, if, sure. if the war over there doesn't stop, mm. right? There is an eventuality where um, 
Yeah, we go we go the third degree and everybody dies. Literally yeah. everyone dies. So um yeah, nobody wants third degree, but we also don't want to what is it? What's what's what is it the old people say? Old people? Yeah, forfeit democracy, um capitalism. I mean, dude, the American dream is dead. Like, we have lost the war on taxes. Like, when we dumped the tea into the river, right? What is, what was that called again? Do you no, remember? the Boston Tea Party. The Boston Tea Party. It's a yeah. historical moment that everybody learned. We all know about it, right? When that happened, right, we were saying, this is not what we want, hypothetically right yeah yeah and here we are now and what do we have well we did let white it get people, out of hand we don't have white, that anymore we don't have that white, kind of protest anymore people, we don't have that white, people just white, sit on their asses and watch tv man no it's not a, that's, you know the ones who do let them you know why because they're not what we're trying to propagate right Right. Let them. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to propagate is like one nation united, working hard to make yeah. it better. And I yeah. meet people on every side of the culture, right. every single side of the culture, who is that good and better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sometimes you run into people who had bad shit happen to them or sour apples because they, you know, are injured or something. You know, shit happens, right? But but like i'm an american yeah like literally i am the embodiment of an american because i'm multicultural i speak multiple languages i mm -hmm. work hard don't give up and i like to get to know people why do you speak multiple languages um i was raised in multiple countries what countries were you raised in quito and mexico Cities. Quito and Mexico were the cities. Oh, okay. Okay. So you, you were raised in Mexico? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's a, it's, you, you learn language when you, you learn Spanish when you're very young then, huh? Yeah. I'm trying to learn it now. It's not easy. It's not easy to learn language at 52, you know? It's, so. it's super fácil, cabrón. <laughs> I'm, I, I downloaded that app, Babbel, and, <laughs> and I'm taking a, a lesson every night. And I'm, yeah. I'm well, learning. Good luck you know, with the Babbel. But you that? need to have some. If you really need to know the language, you need to have somebody who knows the language. That's probably true. That's yeah, probably forever. true. They always forever. they always tell you. Actually, they tell you the best places. Well, you could do it in the state, but you can go to another country, and they'll teach. They'll have classes there for Americans. You know who want to teach, who want to learn the language. That's probably the best way to do it, right? Because then you're being taught by someone who that's their first language. Yeah, you're not, you're not 21 years old. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's right. Uh, the easiest time to learn a new language is when you're a child, really. <laughs> that's when you have, when you're not yeah, fixed it. in a certain way, you know? Um, but uh, the, the problem with Spanish, I find, look, I took Italian when I was a, a kid in school and the same problems I find are that masculine and feminine stuff. 
that we don't really deal with in, in English, you know? Conjugation. Yeah, if you're talking to a man, you're talking to a woman, sometimes even different terms, if you're talking to someone, you know, who's like a teacher as opposed to a friend, how you address them, all that stuff is not easy. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> That's what fucked me up when I was a kid learning Italian. I was like, <laughs> I cannot get these conjugations. I just don't understand them, you know? So, but I'm trying, you know. Why? You know, um, why? I'll tell you in a second. But uh, I don't really believe in like all this modern robotics and technology. But I do think that if they came up with like a chip that they can implant into your brain where it has different languages <laughs> on the chip, I think I might do that. Well, just because it's easy. <laughs> well, yeah, of course it's easy. But isn't that what modern technology is about? Making things yeah, but easier? I, I, I... I like I like to do I like to do things the easy way, but I like to work hard. <laughs> you like to do easy things the hard way. Is that the way it goes? Easy things the hard way. Well, to get back to your initial question, I'm going to head to uh, Colombia for a little bit, so I want to be able to speak the language as much or, or understand it. You know, I don't I don't believe in. I always talk about people coming to this country and like never learning English. People here who been here for like 20, 30 years. They never bother to learn. That always bothers me. I don't want to go to the country and like, oh, I'm a, I'm an elitist American. Don't you know English? I hate that. I really hate that. So it's like hypocrisy, I believe. So I want to be able to at least try, you know? No, I think you're wrong. Well, I mean, yes, about the idea of like trying to learn it. Yes, but like not try. What do you mean? No, like, like you shouldn't try. You should, you should learn. Oh, you don't mean to try. You want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> don't try. Do. <laughs> do, do it. I yes. got you. Well, yes. yeah, you know, as, as best as you can. Like, you get, get you a translator. Go down there and be like, hey, translator, I would like to say this to this person. <laughs> go around with the translator. And then when they respond. <laughs> there is a translator. It's called Google Translate. But that's cheating. It's that cheating. Is cheating. That's it cheating. is. No, it's no, so, no, I think no. it's so no, lame, no, too. A guide. Yeah, like, it's lame. Like, Could you speak into my phone? Could you just yeah, I'll translate? If you don't have a guide, you can find a guide. Like you get to a hotel. No, no. Let me digress. You get to a, a airport mm -hmm. and you don't have a guide and you need a guide. Trust me, you will find a guide. He may not be a good guide. It may be the worst guide you've ever had, but there are guides. Really? Wherever you go in the world. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, and uh, and I haven't traveled since COVID, so maybe they kill them all. But no, you know. no, I, I mean, but I've been to certain countries. I never really cared about guides. I've, I've been to Spain and Italy and France, and I don't know. I just, I, you just you try your best. Somebody else think. guided your trip. No, I just went, I walked around. What guide? I just went. You know, go into a restaurant and you read the menu. Have you and been you to Japan? To... No, I've never been to Japan. No, oh, or Asia. No. Or no. Russia, or you Slavic no. countries? No, never been to those countries. No. Okay, it's a little yeah. different there. I'm sure. Well, yeah, because you can't read. So any place that relies on and has a lot of American tourism, people will speak English because they want to make money. They want to make your American money, right? Yeah. But that's so you've also been kind places of places that are easy. Yeah, it's, it's still kind of cheating, though. You know, you right. you just want to be. I find it 
respectful. That's what and I'm I think saying. people in other countries get somewhere if you've yeah. been somewhere, but if you get somewhere that you don't know the language and you can't read the language, you will find a guide. It does, doesn't mean the guide likes you and has your best interests in mind, but you will find a guide. Yeah. You mean just like a random because person? Because you will need one. A random person mm-hmm. who just attaches yeah. to you? Well, really? like, like for example, um, well, again, I haven't traveled as much since COVID, so I'm not sure what it looks like now, but used to be, used to be, you could show up somewhere and be like, I need a cab and there would be a cabbie, right? Yeah. So I don't know, since COVID and Uber and other things. Yeah, something called Uber. Uber, But but I used to show up and and just be like, I need a cab. And people would literally be driving cars to drive me places. That was a cab. Right. 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 It didn't take an app. It didn't take a phone. I could just do it. Yeah, the good old days. The good old, good old days. But at least with see, but now with the Uber app, you put the address in the app. You don't have to go into the car anymore and say, "Take me here." Right? People will say, "Oh, how do I say that in your language?" Take me. You don't have to worry about that anymore. So look, in a way, all the stuff that's made things easier has made us lazier, less likely to do things we should do when we go somewhere else and learn the language or learn at least certain phrases that are commonly used, you know, take me here. Where's the closest restaurant? Where's the closest drugstore? Where's the bathroom? Stuff like that. You don't even bother, right? And that's kind of a shame that things are getting so easy now. Like I said, these translators where you just talk into it and it comes out Spanish and they talk into it and it comes out English is, hey, you know what? I think it's making us a lot dumber, don't you? Dude. It is. Oh, if we want to talk about stupidity. Yeah, oh, well, geez. you know, it's not, oh, it's not like geez. we're even You're using this stuff to learn. Need to talk about. But, but yeah. like, yes. Okay, so first of all, the way the news works now is so convoluted and nasty. Mm-hmm. It's not even good anymore. I did hear about there was a a, a this is how it worked today. There was a bus in New York that flipped over and killed two people, right? Mm-hmm. And 20 were injured. Mm-hmm. You know why that bothers me? Why? Because it's the preparation. What do you mean the preparation? Well, you do small casualties to generate fear and anxiety. And then when you do a mass casualty, you draw and pull and go Mm -hmm. to war. Yeah. Well, it's true. That's true. Yeah. It's a shame, but that's the way it is. There's no... You're talking to the guy who rails on every night about how journalism is dead. So... Journalism's dead. There's no real journalism anymore. It's sensationalism. It's there to get clicks, to right. get people to bait people to clicking, to watching. It's uh, done by people who are more yeah. interested in so pushing certain I'm narratives. I'm worried that they're going to do a tragedy to force young kids into service. Yeah. Instead of this, doing yeah. what we should be doing. Yeah. I mean, there's no reality anymore. Proactive. That's the problem. Proactive people don't know. Attacks. 
Yeah, people what don't I know. What mean by that is not like destructive attacks, proactive, like diplomatic destruction. Like use our wealth, right? To literally change the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Million, Look, this is what I talk about. Dollar jet time. was on the news for yeah. the last, like, what is it, three days? Eighty right. million yeah. dollar jet, right? Mm-hmm. Blah 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 on the news. Eighty million dollar jet. Eighty million dollar jet. Well, like, the truth is, we all know that that's not true. No, but this this is part of what I talk about. Look, this is how there's no there's no reality anymore because you look on let's say uh, a news site, any news site, your favorite or least favorite news site. And I can yes. look at 2, at 2 p.m. I'll look at the, this news site, you know, your news feed, if you will, on your favorite browser. And it'll say, one story will say, um, Trump dropping like a rock in the, right? And I won't click on it. I don't click on this. Then the next story, a half hour later, will say, um, Trump leading in every poll, you know, so what's, what's the truth? What's the, what's the reality? You see, there is no real anymore. There is no reality. There's just clickbait. So people who are interested in the idea of Trump doing great in polls will click on that story. Then people will click on the other story. People, oh, wow, he's dropping like a rock. Let me see. And when you get into the stories, they're all bullshit. Because all they want you to do is click on the headline. That's why you're always seeing these contradicting headlines. Often, Dude, often one next to each other, right? One next to each other. I've seen it over the last week with this with COVID now, where it'll say COVID just a common cold, uh, new variant week, and next to it it'll say, oh, dangerous new variant. So, what's the truth? Is it a weak variant or is it a very dangerous variant? It's all bullshit. It's all clickbait. There's no real. There's no. There's no real reality anymore. There's no real new facts real facts it's one COVID. or the other it's not both all they care is about is clicks. always will be the right. flu and if you didn't yeah. take the flu shot and you got the flu guess what happened you didn't die no if you took the flu shot no and you didn't get the flu you know what you got mm-hmm. vaccinated and you know what you have, on you, you have the water on or are you taking a piss? Which one? It's okay. I'm Either taking a fun. piss and telling you right now, vaccinate <laughs> the fuck out of all the old people. You know why? Because if you don't, they're going to die anyway. Okay? Well, look, I went, to the, I went to a doctor before COVID. I went to see my doctor. Oh, and I never, got a, I never got a flu shot. <sighs> I never got a flu shot. And he said to me. Did he give you a COVID shot? No, this is before COVID. It's like 2018, 2019. There was no COVID yet. My doctor said, do you want the flu shot? It was flu. It was like September of 2018. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm 48. I've, I've never gotten the flu shot. I've never gotten a flu. He said, okay, just so you know, if you get the flu, probably last a couple of weeks and then it, you'll be over it. I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> so it's like, that's it. You know? And it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. He didn't say, oh, you got to get this or you're going to die. You're going to die a horrible death. He just said, you'll, you'll probably get it for a couple of weeks. It'll go away. Okay. I said, okay. You know, so it's like that kind of like that truth, that reality. 
Mike, that reality, have you that ever, honesty. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Seinfeld? Yes, many times. I've watched many episodes. Yes. Yes. You you literally embodied it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Too bad Daniel's not listening. He's a big Seinfeld fan. He knows every episode, every every word, every phrase, every every scene, inside out. But that's true, though. It's like there was a time when your doctor would say, "Oh, all right." It wasn't like, "Oh, you're not getting the flu shot. The world's coming to an end. You're going to kill everybody." Then everything changed over the last three years with the total. Have you have hysteria. you seen the mar Have you seen the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? I have not. No. Oh, jeez. I know. I'm sorry to say I haven't. I haven't seen a lot of TV shows. You're just you're a disappointment to me and your mother. Oh, is that right? <laughs> it's it is so good. Oh, I, I will, I will so check it out. Good. I'll check it out. Hey, listen, I'm going to let you go because I got to get to some other stories. But thank you for the call. And of course, I got to get to film reviews too. But look, I want to go back to what I was saying about the Republicans not being able to take the moral high ground on the Bob Menendez indictments, or the Democrats can say they are for a cleaning house. They can take the moral high ground. Uh, look at the Senate issue. And I went over all the Trump-backed candidates that have lost, right? People like Dinesh D'Souza, who blindly, blindly follow Trump, who in the Trump cult, put out these tweets he did today, and people like him constantly put it. They put out these photos of of idiot Fetterman. And they have the nerve to say, how did this guy get elected? How disingenuous can you be if you're a Dinesh D'Souza and ask, oh, how in the world? I don't know. Why did the people of Pennsylvania vote for Fetterman? Because Oz sucked. Because Trump, that's why. Because people weren't voting for John Fetterman. They were voting against Oz, meaning they were voting against Trump. They were voting against the Trump surrogate in that election. In all of these elections where the Trump back candidate lost, they very rarely voted for the Democrat, right? They voted basically against the Trump surrogate. So Oz was seen as Trump, okay? Trump's candidates are seen by Democrats in a general election and independents as Trump. They are the Trump surrogate. Do you get it? That's why John Fetterman is fucking a senator. That's why he's fucking, he's a fucking senator. He's not fucking a senator. That woman, ugh, I don't want to think about that. His girlfriend. Anyway, I digress. This is why John Fetterman is in the Senate. This is why the Senate has now changed the dress code rules. Now, very hilariously, Rand Paul, if you've seen the photo, showed up in the Senate with a robe, a bathrobe, and bedhead, and he was barefoot. I think that's fucking hilarious. But people go, oh, oh, why did the Senate change the rules? Well, let's do like a it's a wonderful life scenario in reverse. If there was no Donald Trump, there would be no Oz. There would be no Fetterman. There would be no need to redo the dress code because Republicans would currently have the Senate. Okay? You see? You see what one person can do? George, George, look what you've done. Look what one person can do. Well, this is like that in reverse. This is how Donald John Trump poisons everything. He poisons everything he touches and how the world would be a much better place if he never fucking existed. Unlike the Jimmy Stewart character in It's a Wonderful Life, who, of course, we know if he didn't exist, 
the world was a horrible place. Thank God he exists. Not Donald John Trump. Everything he touches is poison. He's actually Mr. Potter. Trump is actually Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. Potterville, Trumpville. You can see that, right? I mean, Pottersville basically is, is well before Trump existed. But that's like Trump, right? It could be Trump, Trump land. None of this would happen if not for Trump. There'd be no Fetterman. There'd be no Democrat-controlled Senate. There'd be a dress code. And they don't, don't, they, don't they get that? Because Donald Trump wanted to back a, a TV star, Oz. That's why we have Fetterman. And a Democrat Senate and no dress code. They don't get it. Everything he touches turns to poison. Everything he touches, every person he touches is poison, becomes poison. I just read the list of all of his people who lost in the last election and continue to lose now in special elections. Because Donald Trump only plays to his cult, his Republican cult. That's it. And once again, I will say it, until the Republican Party rids themselves of this poison or of this cancer, they will be shit. They will continue to lose over and over and over again. This is not to take the Democrats off the hook, because we know what they're doing again in this primary. I'm going to get to that story now. Now, we've talked about RFK Jr. running as an independent and how he would take votes away from Biden and teach the party a lesson. Teach the party they have to have fair primaries, right? These, the parties have problems, but they're different problems, right? The Democrats rigged their primary to back the candidate they want, and the Republicans don't rig the primary, but they can't shake themselves of a poison like Don Trump, right? So both parties have issues, but they're a little different. But the Democrats, as we know, with 2016 and 2020 and Bernie, they say we can do whatever we want. It's not a democracy. It's not a general election. We run it. It's a closed, it's a closed party. It's a closed club. We can do what we want. And we know they're doing that again now at Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So I've said all along that he should run as an independent and fuck Biden up and the Democrats up. Now, there's a new article that just came out in Newsweek today, which shows he would hurt them even more than I thought. A third of Democrat voters, a third would likely vote for RFK Jr. if he runs as an independent, according to a new survey, potentially handing victory. Well, of course, Newsweek says Donald Trump, as though Donald Trump is going to be the nominee, uh, potentially handing victory to, to uh, well, Ron DeSantis or, or any Republican. The report, the Rasmussen reports found 57 percent of likely Democrat voters plan to support Biden, as opposed to 25 percent for Kennedy, 3 percent for Williamson and 7 percent for any other candidate. Kennedy, the nephew of murdered President JFK, has emerged as Joe Biden's closest challenger. Despite his party affiliation, Curdy, uh, he's very thanks. Okay, okay, here we go. According to Rasmussen Report survey, 41% of Democrats have at least somewhat favorable view of Kennedy, along with 56% of Republicans and 49% of those without party affiliation. This is how fucked up in general, though, the Democratic Party has become. Look at those numbers. So 15% more Republicans and 8% more independents have a favorable 
um, view of a Kennedy than Democrats. A Kennedy. That's how fucked up the Democratic Party has become, right? In total, 49% of likely voters view Kennedy favorably, including 14% for very favorable. Okay, anyway. But here's the point of this article, which goes on forever for no. Oh, here we go. If Democrats and Republicans nominate Biden and Trump and Kennedy runs as independent, 33% of Democrat voters would likely vote for him, according to the poll, including 14% would be very likely to back him. Among likely voters as a whole, 25% they would likely vote for Kennedy if he runs against Biden and Trump, including 14% of Republicans, with 10% saying they're very likely to cast their ballots this way. This is what, this is incredible, that 33%, okay, say they will vote for Kennedy. Um, Had 33% of Biden's voters backed a third-party candidate in 2020, he would have lost 27 million votes. Remember, he won by seven. So Donald Trump would have won by 20 million votes. Let me read that again. Had the same amount, 33%, who said they would vote for Kennedy in a general election if he ran as independent, okay? 33%. Backed a thir- 33% of Biden's voters. If they had done that with Howie Hawkins in 2020, Trump would have won an epic landslide. Look, Kennedy has to do this. He has to say, look, look at these numbers. Look at these numbers. I will do this unless you make this a fair primary. Let's get debate started next month. Let's get the ball rolling. I want to see that my party is running a fair primary, and then I won't do this. But if you continue to do what you do did in 2016 and 2020 and now, I'm going to do this and you have no chance. The numbers don't lie. You have no chance to beat a Republican. No chance to beat Ron DeSantis. Zero. Hell, no chance to beat Donald Trump. If these numbers would hold, I think the numbers would change if Trump were the nominee, right? Because then people would say, and I've talked about this before, Kennedy would have a greater impact in taking votes away from Biden if the nominee were Ron DeSantis. If it's Donald Trump, you know what people are going to do. They're going to say, well, I would, but I can't deal with Trump again. So I don't think I don't think necessarily he would destroy Biden if Trump were running. He would hurt him, make it more difficult. But I think if DeSantis were the nominee, it would be over in a heartbeat. He's got to do this. You can't keep saying my party is, you know, rigging this and corrupt and then just do what Bernie did twice. And when they when they when they, you know, fuck you up, the you know where say, OK, I'm going to not run and I'm going to back you. Because the Republican is just so awful, I have to do this. You can't do that. If you do this, the party will be forced to not do it again. They'll be forced to not do this, to not continue rigging primaries like this. So he must must, must run as an independent. He must at least bring this up to them and say, look at this poll. What are you going to do? Put the pressure on them to do the right thing. Otherwise, they have to say he's kind of full of shit, just like Bernie, right? Full of shit, just like Bernie Sanders. All right, one more story I want to get to before the film reviews is... uh, 
kind of a San Francisco story, but also uh, bigger than that because it's about Elon Musk. So Dean Preston is a uh, supervisor here in San Francisco, a board of supervisor member who's horrible. He's a terrible progressive, pro-crime. You know, he's he's destroyed the city, all this stuff. That's worse. The, the worst progressives in the world, Dean Preston's one of them. So Elon Musk, what happened recently that really got Elon Musk upset was, uh, I'll read the story. Elon Musk appeared to vow to donate $100,000 to a campaign to oust progressive supervisor Dean Preston after Preston came under fire for suggesting that people visiting the city not leave valuables in their cars. Musk replied to a tweet from CEO of Y Combinator Gary Tan, who himself pledged to contribute 50000 to the Dump Dean PAC, a campaign formed to oust Preston, the sole Democrat socialist on the Board of Supervisors. Musk said in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, he doubled Tan's donation. Preston told the Chronicle that the money represents a billionaire backlash against popular policies he's championed. Now, the, the policies he champions are only popular to nutjob leftist progressives like him. That's it. No one else. So this is part of the this is part of what progressives have done to our cities. It's like, no, we don't prosecute the criminals. We're telling law abiding citizens you gotta do we have to limit the freedoms of law abiding citizens to placate the criminals. That's what they want to do. Take away our rights. Tell us the mandate that we must do stuff to placate the criminals. Instead of prosecuting the criminals, instead of instead of putting the criminals in jail. They say, no, 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 don't leave things in your car. Why not? In a free world, I'm a fucking law-abiding citizen. I pay my fucking taxes, Dean. I pay my taxes, Dean. Why can't I leave things in my car? In a civilization, you can leave things in your car. But Democrats, progressives, have created the anti-civilization, the law of the jungle. Here, hit the, hear the jungle beats going on. That's where we live, in a fucking jungle. Bows and arrows. So I'm glad that Elon Musk is doing this. I'm glad he's taking Dean Preskin to task. You prosecute the criminals. You don't tell law-abiding citizens what they can and can't do while you let criminals get away with looting and robbing and raping and killing and closing our businesses, our small businesses, and destroying our city, you progressive prick. Preston, progressive prick. Preston, fuck you. <clears throat> Enough of this shit. Put people in charge of our cities who are actually going to prosecute the criminals and bring back a civilized society. You can't have a gun to defend yourself, but you must not leave any valuables in your car. Up your ass. Truly, Dean, up your fucking ass. Well, I want to get to a, uh, I wanted to do a light story before. <laughs> this is a tough transition. <laughs> up Preston's ass to film reviews, but maybe that's it. Is there a light story I can do as a transition in between? Let's see. Is there anything, is there anything light going on here? Let's see. There was something I wanted to talk about, which was kind of uh, lighthearted as a buffer, as a buffer 
I want to do. Oh, here, wait a minute. Where'd it go? Where did my? Oh, here it is. No, that's not the story. There was another one, and I forgot what it was. Maybe it was the RFK Jr. thing. I mean, I'm very happy that that many people, that a third, would vote for him. That's pretty amazing that Biden would lose uh, so many votes, so many votes, if uh, if RFK ran. Let's see. Mike, I, that's it. You know, there weren't any really light stories today. I mean, it was all it was the Menendez thing, and that was the big that was the big driving force. The Menendez thing was the big the big driving force. But I guess you know, I guess Rand Paul, even though it led me into a more serious direction. If you see the shot of him, it's hilarious. He's in a red robe, <laughs> sitting on the Capitol steps, barefoot, with bedhead. I mean, it's pretty funny. It really is. Now I understand that Fedman has agreed. Oh, he will, you know, he will, uh, he'll dress up. He'll, 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 he'll dress up. He will. Oh, oh, really? I mean, the pain it must take to dress up, <laughs> to dress up for your job that you get paid a quarter million dollars a year to do, where you work half the year. It's got to be tough, tough to put on a suit for a few days, a month. Tough job. Oh, here's something to end on. This is before we get to the film reviews. And I think John Williams is just about. You guys are getting ready? Yeah. All right. Just get ready. And uh, I'll be ready to go in a minute. I want to just play a clip. <clears throat> this is a clip of it's very short and sweet because the answer to this should be short and sweet. Okay. But this is DeSantis on, uh, on Glenn Beck. And he's asked a very simple question. Let's see if I can get this to play. Glenn, you there? You with us? Let's see. Maybe not. Maybe it's not going to work. I thought it was going to work. I don't know why this clip isn't working. Here it is. Okay, this should be it. Go ahead. Let's, oh, nope. It's not working. Well, anyway, he had asked. Oh, maybe, maybe this will work. I'll try a different one here. Nope, for some reason, this is not working. Okay. Let me ask. Oh, here this. it is. Can a man become a woman? No. <laughs> How ridiculous that we're even asking that question. So that's it. That's very simple from Ron DeSantis. Can a man become a woman? No. Unlike Trump's, well, uh, well, you know, oh, well, you know, no, no, no. I want to try to placate Democrats. I want to be a Democrat as much as possible here. So, no, it's very simple. Can a man become a woman? No, of course not. A man cannot become a woman. There aren't 50 genders. You know, someone put out a tweet with a list of, I guess, genders from the uh, the White House, the federal government, and it were 50 genders, five zero, 50, 50 genders, not two, 50. That's the nut job. That's the, this is the whack job, AAA Sokola world we're living in. Oh, man. I need Ron DeSantis to flush all this shit right out. Flush it out. Ron, please, flush it all out. All right. John, are you ready? Let me see if John's ready. Okay, here's John. 
John, can you play me in? Thank you. Thank you. That's John William, Williams, Williams, John Williams, and the Boston Pops. Thank you very much. It's Friday night. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. All right. Uh, so I want to get to my film reviews, and I have three of them. All right. Three film reviews. Uh, the first one is A Haunting in Venice. You know, if I can get my computer to work, there's something, maybe a computer expert can come on one day and tell me why. I turned the brightness up on my keyboard, and I have it plugged in. So I have my computer plugged in, and so it's not running on battery. I understand sometimes if it runs on battery, it, it goes off and on. So I have it plugged in, not running on battery, and I put on my keyboard light so I can see what's going on, and then 10 minutes later, my keyboard light goes off. I don't give it instructions to go off, but it does. And it's very annoying because then I can't see anything. Okay, A Haunting in Venice. This is starring Kenneth Branagh as Hercule Poirot. Hercule Poirot. Speaking of French. Hercule Poirot. Okay. You know, he is the detective, uh, the hero detective of the Agatha Christie novels. And this is actually one of her novels that uh, I've never seen made into a film before. It's called A Haunting in Venice. And um, uh, Kenneth Branagh has done several, uh, several of her films, several of her films, her, her novels made into films. Um, and this is another one. This takes place in uh, Venice, Italy, where Poirot is leaving, kind of in living in semi-retirement. And uh, but an old friend of his, played by Tina Fey, tries to draw him kind of out of retirement. She invites him to like this quote-unquote haunted house, you know, where this is seance is going on. Some woman has lost her daughter. Her daughter supposedly committed suicide, and she wants to talk to her, so she hires a medium. And uh, Brana's friend, played by uh, Tina Fey, actually really good, really good performance by Tina Fey, semi-comedic performance, but not totally comedic. Um, she's, she wants to figure out what this medium is doing. You know, these are people of facts, right? She's a person of facts, Hercule is a person of facts. She's a writer, by the way. So she believes in facts and evidence. And she wants Poirot to figure out what she can't, which is, what is this medium doing? I can't figure out what she's doing. Where's the, where's the grift? What's going on? You can figure it out. So, okay. So he goes to the house. And as you can imagine, everything goes awry and bodies fall over the place. And then Poirot has to figure out, as usual, who, what's going on, who the murderer is. But there's also, you know, some, some, uh, mysterious stuff some uh voodoo possible you know it's a haunted house with spirits and we're told about spirits of children who were tortured in the basement and they now live in the house so there's all that going on as well so it's not your standard agatha christie there's also some supernatural stuff added into it now you know as usual perot's going to be a million steps ahead of us he sees clues that we don't everything adds up always which is great about agatha christie everything adds up at the end but he sees it we usually don't, right? So there's that usual Agatha Christie fair. But what makes it better than that is Brana's direction. Cinematography, 
for the production design in the haunted house is fantastic. Very creepy, very atmospheric, very stylish. Um, and it raises the usual Christie fair to a higher level. And of course, Brana makes Poirot very three-dimensional, right? He's not just this uber smart, high IQ detective. He's also a real person with frailties. And that comes out through his performance, making Poirot a more interesting character than he usually is in these kinds of films. Also great performances all around. Tina Fey is great. Michelle Yeoh is great as the medium. Uh, the usual, as usual with Agatha Christie, there are a lot of characters and uh, they're all great performances all around, which kind of, like I say, it all raises it to a higher level than we'd usually see with Agatha Christie. So I'm going to give Haunting in Venice uh, three stars and a solid thumbs up. That's a Haunting in Venice. What are we getting to next? Okay, let's go to a, from a mystery to a horror film called It Lives Inside. So It Lives Inside um, is, a, uh, is a horror film. And I know that, that, that title sounds familiar because a lot of these horror films lately have the same kind of titles, right? Right? It follows, it follows us, it lives inside, it creeps around us. It's, so this is one of those, you know, titles that sound like every other film, horror film we've seen over the last five years. It lives inside. It's among us. It's among us. Uh, it lives inside. Okay. But the, the big difference with this film is that it's, most, it's a mostly a Hindu cast. It's a mostly Hindu cast. Uh, American Indian cast, um, and the 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 star of the film is a is a American Indian teenager, who's uh, living in America but kind of struggling with her cultural identity, and she has a, a falling out with a former best friend, um, who has kind of grown very odd. In fact, now she goes around the school holding a a glass container, and no one can figure out why she's holding this glass container. Well, as the film develops, we find out there's a demon living inside this glass container and uh, it's demonic and you can't get out. If it gets out, a lot of people are going to die. What happens in the horror film? Well, if it doesn't get out, there's no horror film, right? So it gets out and, uh, and it's a, there's a lot of a, a mystery around this, but there's also some uh, lore with, uh, with what they consider like Hindi uh, um, uh, uh, background and culture and an old wise tale told about uh, it, you could you could uh, about this creature that is known among the Indian American uh, community. You know, kind of like on the same way with uh, Candyman, right? With the African American community, right? Where it was like a, a, a an old tale told and passed on. Well, there's something involving this creature which has to do with that kind of history. Um, I found the film incredibly creepy. You know, once again, most films don't scare me anymore. But the direction by Bishal Duda, an Indian-American uh, director, is really top-notch. I mean, it, it's, it scares the crap out of you. It really does. He uses foreground and background very, very, very um, uh, effectively. And also, what he also does is only gives us very, very quick glimpses of this demon, which, which, by the way, can become invisible. Sometimes you can see this demon, sometimes you can't, right? So it has that ability. And uh, uh, until the end of the film, to the last maybe 20 minutes, when we finally do see this demon, and of course it's total CGI, but because it has been unveiled in such short sequences, where we see a little bit here, a little bit there, 
there's part of it here, part of it there. The light goes on and it's there. Light goes off and it's gone. We see just it. We see we see a little bit of it in the periphery through shadows until the end of the film when it's finally revealed. The CGI actually works. It's not overwhelming. It's not that over the top. It actually works and it's effective. And it's a very creepy film. Once again, we've seen a lot of horror before, right? We're in the year 2023. I think a lot of filmmakers, when it comes to horror films, are seeing that filmmaking talent means something. Cinematography means something. Developing developing the horror the way it's the way it's visualized that means something now and these horror film directors are getting better and better every once in a while there's a clunker as i've reviewed in the past but it lives inside is very effective at, at weaving this 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 mysterious tale of this demon and also bringing it to a very human level there's a lot of there's a little bit of Halloween in this because it takes place in suburbia, but also a nightmare on Elm Street. You can see the director also is a fan of Wes Craven, not just John Carpenter. So weaving it into this suburban culture and on top of that, this Indian American culture, which we don't see very often in films and all the Indian American actors are fantastic. And this is a, a very creepy film, an effective horror film. I really recommend it. All right. Thumbs up. Three and a half stars for it lives inside. And finally, last and least, <laughs> uh, last and least is the Expendables. Four, the Expendables, Pot Four, directed by Scott Waugh. Um, if you've seen the Expendables, you know you got Sylvester Stallone, you got Jason Statham, you got 50 Cent, you got Dolph Lundgren. And you got Andy Garcia here, and uh, they're like a special forces unit who do things that, you know, that are clandestine. The American government doesn't want people to know they're doing. So when the expendables go in, it's basically them doing the job clandestine. The American government has no connection to it, right? Wink, wink. Okay. And of course, they're incredible, right? These guys are, 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 are built. They're masculine. They are great shooters. They're great... Uh, they're great soldiers. They're like kind of like, uh, uh, you know, uh, the best of the best, basically assembled to take on different duties. Uh, so they're basically the last line of defense, the team that gets called when all the options are off the table. And their latest one has to do with, uh, you know, a little bit of Russia, a little bit of a bomb, a little bit of the end of the world, a little bit of World War Three. Of course, they need to stop all this stuff. Now, Look, <laughs> Stallone is great at his job, right? He's an old pro. They're all old pros. Andy Garcia is an old pro, right? We got Jason Statham, old pro. Really great action film stars. They are. They have a presence. So you would think their presence would add up to something. But unfortunately, I won't say why. won't get into the how or why. But Stallone only appears kind of, you know, a small part of the film. He's not in most of the film. Maybe he has something else to do. I won't give away what the situation is in the film. But uh, so there's that chemistry you have between Stallone and Statham, and there is, and there's some funny lines that you don't get much of in this film, which leaves us to the action, which is kind of mundane. Thing about action films is that I want to be involved in the action. I don't want to be just a voyeur. And in The Expendables 4, we are just kind of voyeurs to the action. We're not really involved in it. Why? Because there's no real suspense. There's no real drama, right? 
There's no real danger because it's just known that these guys are so good, they're going to get the job done. And, of course, in the middle of the most intense situation, they're throwing one-liners at each other. Very funny. And while it's clever, it kind of takes us away from the action. It takes us outside the action. So the action sequences, of course, they're, they're very well done, although kind of over the top and a little bit confusing at times. We are not involved in it. We're too much voyeurs, okay? Uh, there's also a character, speaking of this not having any skin in the game when it comes to these action sequences, where there's any, where we feel the characters are any real danger, and that creates suspense, is Megan Fox as Gina. She's uh, uh, Jason Statham. His character's name is Christmas. We know Sylvester Stallone is Barney. And uh, Jason Statham and Megan Fox have a relationship, right? Very interesting relationship. They're both part of the Expendables, right? So Megan Fox takes on the lead in this particular job they're going to do. And her hair is always perfect. Her lipstick is never, I mean, they're in the most dangerous situations. <laughs> Bullets flying and blood flying and body flying. And she never, her lipstick and her hair never gets must, never, never an issue. And that's part of the film's problem. It's all too easy. It doesn't get us involved in the action. We are voyeurs to the action. Then it becomes kind of uh, mundane and 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 boring and the film is totally sorry I had to say this expendable thumbs down two stars for the expendables pot four expendables four okay hey john it's kind of early a little bit earlier than usual do you want to play me out before you leave could you all right yeah thanks okay so john's going to play me out now All right, John, thank you. I really appreciate it, man. A little extra work, right? How's that writer strike going? Are they getting anywhere? I know Bill Maher was going to do his show anyway, right? Bill Maher put out a tweet about a week ago that he was going to do his show anyway because there were other people. He, he saw no progress at all going on, right? And there were other people. He's got plenty of dough, but there are other people who needed to work not just writers, there are other people, and he wanted to let them get back to work. And people were like, oh, you're a scab, you're this, or that, all this bullshit. And now he has uh, reneged on that, but he said it's because they are now actually actively, it looks like there's some progress, and it does. And it looks like there's some progress, John, right? Yeah, so hopefully that will be uh, taken care of because we want everyone to be able to work and we want to be able to see films and review films right here on this show. All right, little house cleaning. There'll be no show Monday. I'm off Monday, three-day weekend, and I'll be back Tuesday, okay? So Tuesday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern will be the next show. By the way, this is the 450th show, 450. Not bad, not bad, folks. We're coming up on uh, two years here pretty soon, so thanks to everyone who listens. I appreciate, I appreciate the callers, and I appreciate the listeners, the live ones, the ones who listen to the show. On, uh, on on call-in um, after it's uh, put up there in archives. I appreciate it. So people who listen live and who listen Memorex, appreciate it all. All right, so I'll see you Tuesday night, okay? Have a great weekend. But until Tuesday night, this is Micah Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. 
Use it.